And now, Steve and Mark continue the conversation with industry legend Jim Nichols, tackling the memory cookie, the flywheel of success, and how the freak in the corner can become the CMO's hero in this second part of the Affiliate Pub Takeaway. One, one thing that you said kind of struck. You've got this tangibility versus transaction. Mm-hmm. Affiliate is transactional. A TV ad is tangible. You can see it. You can yes. sense it. You feel it's going to make your brand amazing. And you play it in the middle of the Super Bowl and everybody talks about how much money you spent. But actually, is it performant? And does anybody give a shit? Because it's almost playing to the ego on one side where you've got this transactional thing on the other side taking it all the way back to the start of what you were saying, that is not creative, although it can be, that that is is not respected for everything it does because it only has the last-click transaction process going on. Mm -hmm. And then I asked you as well, whose responsibility is this? Well, actually, and you're right, in many ways it's the brand and the advertisers, but there's another layer of responsibility here because we're not just a transactional advertising channel. So who's going to come out and, and, and push that? And that's surely got to be as much with the networks and with the OPMs and with the agencies to stop treating it simply as a transactional process and more to look at exactly what it can bring, the depth that it it, it gives. It was about 10 years ago that agencies said, we're digital first, then we're going to think digital and the TV campaign will follow what works on digital. I don't know any campaign that has been affiliate first where the affiliate manager has got the creative team the copywriters into the room and said how are we going to make a campaign that is going to convert a zillion people on a cpa basis i just don't think that's ever happened as as you're saying that i was thinking of all the awards that sit in this industry (laughs) and and the the broad term they now use is performance marketing yes so if all marketing is performant then why are we kind of throwing in the the biggest one of all the most transactional one that the clearest one that it is that is performance marketing well this comes back to this idea of what is a campaign and what is a concept right that's not something that ever comes up in the affiliate industry it's not what we're about if you if a cmo came into you and said i want to be open-minded about this show me your best ad well chances are your best ad is going to have a bigger discount than other ads right because the ads themselves yeah, yeah, beautiful, or it's Helvetica instead of Arabic, right? Yeah. Nice. Right, and we don't know why, right? I mean, one brand I worked on, the best ad they did had a undeliberate misspelling, but we kept running it because it worked, right? And I don't know if it worked because people were clicking it, like, to tell us that it was wrong, but they bought stuff from it. The right? grammar police turned up and started clicking on you. That's nice. Yeah. Actually, it's quite clever. It's creative. Well, it. it wasn't intentional. <laughs> I wish it was. No one gets into marketing to look at spreadsheets, right? You get into marketing because you're fascinated by what motivates people and makes them think and makes people want to believe that one peanut butter is better than the other peanut butter, right? And those kinds of components really aren't a part of affiliate marketing because what we are so good at is the transaction. So no one gets into affiliate marketing because they love spreadsheets. I'm almost the exception that proves the rule. Well, no one gets into marketing. Maybe there are people that get into affiliate. That's yeah, possible. But I'm using this to sort of segue yeah. into room pool verification. 
great. I mean, we've been talking about elephants in the room that stop the CMOs loving affiliate marketing. And one of the things that has always frustrated me is people chase the next piece of revenue, but they don't look at protecting the revenue they've got. And that links into the CMO. I'm sure many CMOs have a, a lurking well, affiliate's great, but this data doesn't align with what we see elsewhere. Or I'm fed up of here with these tracking issues that publishers complain about, but my dev team tell me there's no issue. And because people don't get into marketing for spreadsheets, people also don't get into marketing because they're really good at writing code. And therefore tracking is slightly the unloved bit. Moonport verification is about helping inform on a very simple way whether programs are actually going to deliver the sales to the publisher that they expect and then the advertiser is rewarded for good publisher performance. Well, you know I really like what you do, this will be commercial time, but better if it comes from me who has no financial relationship with you guys or whatnot than, than from you, but yeah. I really believe in what you're doing because I think there's so much in affiliate where we don't know what's under the lid, right? And you guys are saying, no, that's unacceptable, right? And you are losing transactions here because of cookie permissions or bad code or misplaced tags or whatnot. Those are really important issues that most people in affiliate honestly don't spend enough time focusing on, right? And partly because they don't know how, right? And didn't have a means until you all came, came around. But partly also, I think it's because we're just really good at what we do. And so if we lose eight or 9% of our sales for some of, based on one thing or another, no one really cared because our sales were still going up 12% every year. Now that's crazy, right? And we're now at a point where I think affiliates being looked at, looked to for a larger and larger share of the revenue, whether or not people like the channel, that's happening, right? And the work I think that you're doing is fantastic in a couple of ways. The first is it's helping brands, publishers, agencies, everyone else get the money that they deserve to get. That's number one. Number two, it's beginning to bring that um, accountability to this space that I think we've lacked, right? And you're not providing an attribution solution, I understand that, but, but you are saying, hey, look, we need to take a look at all of this stuff. We need to be tracking the tracking, if you will, and making sure that it's correct so that whatever standards we do use are being applied uh, correctly. I gave Steve a look because our very first slogan was tracking affiliate tracking. And they hated me for it. I love it. Thank you, Jim. You're quite I, welcome. I, literally, I, I, we're, we're completely aligned. I'll uh, take my $10. I, I, exactly. The table. The, the, I think the word accountability is so critical here. I think the, the industry has professionalized over the years, but it's still late to the party relative to many other advertising channels, naturally. And it's also got a, I, I think, a far broader, potentially deeper audience in both publishers and to a lesser degree in brands. I mean, what, what is it? Somehow 85% of all brands have an affiliate program. Yes, yes. But if you look at affiliate publishers, in many ways, 100% or 95% of their revenue just comes from affiliates. So you've, you've got this, this kind of different type of supply chain. And accountability has been difficult because I think it's relatively broad, it's quite deep, it's very difficult to attach that accountability to. And centralizing to that and getting everybody aligned around that is, is naturally difficult. The more time that goes on, the more different ways that people do things. I worked with a business where the CTO actually said, why don't all affiliate networks track in the same way? 
and I gave him a look. We had a little chuckle. I talked about money. I talked about opportunity. But actually, it's a very good question. And because there's lots of different ways that they track and structures they use behind their URLs, it's very, very mm-hmm. difficult to then analyze. And it's taken Moonpool a while to get to the point now that they can do lots of that. So I think the question, why do affiliate networks not all track in the same way, is actually a really interesting one. That if you understood the commercial benefit of tracking in slightly different ways, then you might understand tracking it a little bit better. But the reason why there's different ways of tracking is affiliate works in a world of internet browsers. It works in a world where you've got Chrome, you've got Firefox, you've got Safari, you've got Facebook browser, you've got Edge. And then they make up their own rules for how cookies subtly work. You've then got the user overlaying on that things like ad blocker. You've got the corporate putting software at the start of the user journey to evaluate the quality of the traffic coming in, which leads to things like recapture or press and hold to identify your human. Mm -hmm. And subtle changes to tracking are being made, or subtle changes to traffic tracking, but different design of tracking is hoping to make the setting of the first party cookie more reliable by not having to fight so many of those actors from the click out from the publishing site to the user arriving on a stable home page or deep link page of the advertising. I I love the explanation. I I wasn't actually saying that they should. I think the the, the query was, you know, from somebody from the outside of the industry coming to use the industry, it's not a very easy industry to understand when you've got 10, 12, 15 suppliers from one side. In the middle, you've got a lot of agencies and OPMs taking their slice of the action. You've got a brand that's looking to either do everything from shifting boxes, essentially creating more sales, excuse the phrase, all the way through to brand positioning and, and brand control. And there's so many things going on and affiliate touches all of these things, unlike some of the other channels. So his question was more of an innocent question as opposed to, my God, can't they all just track like A? Won't be so much easier. It probably would. But of course, naturally, networks have to have their own approaches and their own challenges to overcome. But I think it is more the interesting way that people outside the industry look at our industry and start asking lots of questions because it is quite complex. Well, I think that there's a misperception that this is all just dead simple, right? That you drop a cookie, somehow the magical dropping of the cookie, (laughs) and that it's there and it's persistent and it doesn't get um, deleted and the, you know, the permission bars and so forth, they don't matter and, you know, none of it really, really happens. And that partly because you all, the challenge that I would see for you all from a sales and marketing standpoint is you're selling math to English majors, right? The people that work in affiliate are the people that work in marketing in general. It's like, what small co-educational New England liberal arts college did you go to and major in English? Right? Yeah. Those are not people who have a deep understanding of the Google algorithm. Yeah, right? I think that's why we've settled on the term, the memory cookie. That's I the- love it. Yes, and the eavesdropping cookie. I love it because it simplifies the whole story down into cookies that I want as a consumer, as a brand, as a publisher, as an agency, and cookies that are insidious, right? That are harmful to the whole process. Yeah, and that then allows us to talk about how the memory cookie is set. So this has been part of our journey on selling maths to an English major is actually we've got a term that people understand. 
now we've actually built something around it. And that's part of our marketing journey. So going back to 80% of your effort should be in the headline. Our headline is thinking about the memory cookie. And one of the learnings we've had is different networks use different language to describe the same tracking approach. Yes. And that actually makes it even harder for the average person in the industry to understand tracking when the same tracking tech is called different things. Three or four different names. Yeah, and you know, I think also a lot of people talk about first party cookies when it's kind of a second party cookie, if you will, right? It's just being interpreted as a first party cookie. And we get into this space where, you know, I'm, I was a history major. The last math course I took was in 1984, so it's been a while. And these things, you know, conceptually are very, very interesting to me, but I don't know that that's a common characteristic of, of people in our world. I think because I worked in so many other advertising channels and knew the strengths as well as the weaknesses, my expectations coming into the industry were not that cookies were easy to deploy and track from. Right, you know, I worked in the banner business for years where for a while we were all bidding on the banner that no one saw below the footer because it was the last one to load on the page and therefore we got the credit, right? And so that's the world that I come from, right? And so I say, it's not surprising at all to me that cookies are misdeployed. I think we're almost the victims of our own success because year in, year out, affiliate grows like 12% a year, right? Even in 2009, it grew, I think, eight or 9% when every other channel was cratering this channel was growing. And so there are a lot of things that an affiliate person needs to deal with on a daily basis. And getting into an area where I'm now at the mercy of the whatever vendor is talking to me, the network or Google or, or whatnot, not having somebody like in my camp to look at those things makes it less likely I'm gonna spend a lot of time on them, right? I've seen your marketing journey because in the beginning, I looked at the website and I was like, oh my God, you're missing the point. Right, like because first of all, it's English, English, English versus American English, right? And we're yeah. we're simpler, right? But the <laughs> second is the the simplicity of the story and the urgency of the story wasn't coming through in the first iteration. And now, when I come to your website, I understand the urgency of what this is. When when a startup comes out, right, the 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 marketer has to interpret: is this a vitamin or is it oxygen? Right? Because you come to your site, there was no doubt ever in my mind that something positive would come out of it. Right? And I know you guys, and I'd heard the explanations, right? And so I knew that it was oxygen, not a vitamin, right? But I didn't think that that was clear initially. But this is oxygen. We're talking about sales without making any change to your marketing program, sales that are simply being lost to the brand, to the agency, to the network, to the publisher, because a cookie is not firing or is installed incorrectly, or there's been no compensation made for the switch from third to first, et cetera. Sorry, I get really passionate about your business. I love that you're passionate about our business. I come from such a different perspective of tracking. To me, lost sales are, from a P&L perspective, that if you're losing 5% of your revenue, and you've got 10% net profit, you're losing 50% of your profit by missing out on that 5%. Yeah, but, and that, that's me but look at it from the affiliate bed. marketer's yeah, point of view, right? Which is often affiliate, you know, if we're really delivering 12 ROAS, 12 to one ROAS, right? Why don't we have all the money, right? It's because we're given a certain budget. And so whether the marketing works or not, I get a certain budget, right? And so think about how long it took before mobile, 
measurement was something that was common in our industry. And I think part of the reason was people didn't understand the, you know, the difference between a mobile browser and a PC browser, right? So that was part of it. And part of it was because there were a lot of brands out there who were like, well, if I start tracking that, that means I'm going to be spending more of the $3 million that I get for commissions, right? And I'm getting the sales anyway. And I think that is still prevalent, that if you're growing 12% year on year and you're in a big company, and at the start of the year there's a budget set, and the budget has affiliates is going to drive 100 million off sales and it's going to cost 3 million pounds to drive it, there's almost no prize for delivering 150 million and spending four. Except the long term. The long term. I think this is really interesting, certainly conceptually, around the idea of investment because one, is affiliate growing 12% year on year because e commerce is growing at that kind of rate too? So is it connected? <laughs> yeah. And secondly, we're talking about user behaviors as well, right? So how users interact, whether they switch from, I mean, I've got four kids, I don't, know, I don't think any, one of them's got a computer they use. But they're all mobile, business. right? Yeah. Every, it's, it, my wife is, is almost exclusively mobile. I mean, she uses an iPad occasionally. So the world has changed. And if we don't continue to invest in that changing world, then you're going to sit on 100 million revenue today that will still maybe up 100 million revenue next year, and you'll still call it a success. Or actually, in our world, 112 million is going up 12%. But that's because of users and e-com and one business taking uh, prominence over another business and winning their users away. All starts with users. But in the end, that's not $112 million. That's $50 million. And then you're going to blame what? Something else? Because you didn't invest today into all of the things you need to do. And, and turn it back to Moonfall just momentarily. We know that there is a growing urgency towards changes of next year. So as the third party cookie is deprecated effectively. <laughs> Will that ever happen? Well, it happened with, <laughs> it's already happened with Apple. Yeah. 100% of all third party cookies won't exist to use Safari, right? So it's already happened and Google are moving towards this. But even if they don't, it's already happened. And we still kind of shrug our shoulders and you see these programs across Europe that are just third party only. And you're like, well, you know what? That serves your point of we do more. The industry does much more than it's given credit for. You can't even see that bit. And it gets back to this defense versus offense thing. Like, I think there's a lot of marketers out there that are just trying to protect the dollars that they have, right? And it's fortress marketing. And I do remember 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, I guess, working on a digital advertising team. And one of the programs we would talk about was affiliate, right? And we met the whole marketing team in marketing, and then we wanted to meet the affiliate person. And there was this puzzle about where they sat. Right, because the they didn't know that they knew their the name. They came to a couple meetings where they were said, "Who besides Steve has made their number?" Right, <laughs> they sat in accounting. Right, they of sat course. in accounting, and as luck would have it, there was a fluorescent light above them that was blinking because you know, and it was just like out of that movie with the TPS reports. Right, but it was it clear that this person was considered by the CMO a necessary evil to the business. Like, if I take the the money out of affiliate, my sales are gonna go down 9%. I can't have that, but I don't wanna give them more money because I don't understand it and I don't think it's incremental and I don't know what's going on. So there's this kind of three-headed hydra thing going on, right? But I am convinced that this kind of marketing would be getting 30 or 40% of the money if we understood it's true value. But there's an uneasy status quo here. The person responsible for the affiliate channel doesn't want to open up the can of worms of does it track what's incrementality? Yeah. Because the status quo is 
they hit their numbers, they hit their budget, they hit their bonus, and they don't want to say, over three years I could double this, because the CMO's reaction might be, I, I really want to evaluate the incrementality, so let's turn it off for every other month. And then the fact that- It's certainly you know, possible that that could you know, happen. You're telling me that 20% you know, of the deep links don't actually track, and you'd like them to track. Well, that's great, but how do I get the tech time to do that? and fix that when we don't really understand what the problem is. And, and they'll cost and more money, right? If everything tracked, then I've got to spend more yeah, on But I believe that hiring Moonpool, excuse me while I give you a real plug, but I absolutely believe this. Hiring Moonpool could provide the incremental revenue, and I'm not talking about incrementality, but the credited revenue to this channel that would make the affiliate person a hero in a tough year for e-commerce. Yeah. And you'd be able to walk into the CMO and say, I didn't hit my number this year, Janet CMO, right? I beat my number by 18%. The programs are exactly the same as they were, but you guys have found that one in five conversions was not being credited properly. You can now say, I think that visibility of the market will do exactly what you're saying, which is it would add that credibility. Once you've got credibility, you then can look at growth and you could get investment over time. And it, it does go back to how we've perhaps Two of us have run networks, two of us are sitting agencies, and there's only three of us here. That's pretty spectacular. But we have, along the way, also been part of that whole industry. And it's, it is now time that the industry does at least accept that it's got to increase that visibility. By doing so, it increases its viability. Exactly. And now you, now you have a version of the future that's no longer, and I don't believe that networks just piggyback e-commerce growth of course i don't but no. there's all there's also a factor of e-com growth of in course. there um but actually if you had a more longer term this five-year view of as we build up this visibility as we build up this alignment to a cause that says we want to see this invested into to get it invested into you've got to be able to see everything all of that data has to be there. And it's a, it is a combination of, you know, does everything actually, can everything work? You know, it's not even a matter of does it work? The query is, could it even work? Yes. Some of these deep links would never work. Things on third party will never work on an Apple operating system, right. full stop. Already 30% of your cookies won't track if it's third party only, mm -hmm. full stop. Next year, there's a, there's a very high chance. It'll be 80, 90, right? We so, could go to 100% of cookies will not track if it's third party. And, 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 and that urgency, you know what? It's going to cost people more. It's going to cost people more if they don't do something now. Well, if they wait until next year and, and suddenly have to, to fix this, it. Right now, the CMO has no on button for their business, right? That everybody needs, like, it's like you work in marketing. It's like, you, you know, you turn on the GRPs for TV and the sales would go up. But... Right now, affiliate managers and leaders have the opportunity to be the only working on button for the business simply by doing tracking properly, right? Correct. That you're Absolutely. saying, and, and what is the typical lift that a client gets from, from working with you all? There's, there's no typical, there's a range of zero to 100. One example of an advertiser that thought their tracking was good, their homepage tracking was good but 100% of their deep links did not track. The solution took five minutes. But right. the, yep. the benefit compared to the, the observation was massive. Was so if I use the number 19% improved sales, is that completely ridiculous? Can I just keep using that for a little bit? Should I say 9, 29, 59? 19 is probably high, okay. but 
11. Can I say 11? Okay, 11%. Come up the number so, in the teens and use that. ...to a CMO's office and say, well, you know what? My sales just went up 11%, right? And you didn't increase my budget. And all of a sudden, I'm going to get your time. One of the most effective marketing programs we did at Partnerize was we had a, a marketing manager who was fantastic, advocate for the brand, incredibly imaginative, and had no visibility whatsoever with the CMO. So we sent a bottle of champagne and one glass to the CMO, and we sent the other glass to the affiliate marketing person and, and wrote a little note in there. It's like, you need to talk to Steve because he just was a hero for your business. And so the CMO found that affiliate person and they formed a relationship and that brand started getting more money or that putting more money into this channel. You have any alcohol. That's a right? great Well, exactly. But, but you know what I mean? That to me is an indication, right? And what you guys have is even more because you're third party coming out. You know, when you work for a network, we make money based on the amount of money that's going through the platform, right? You guys are coming and say, I'm not part of that world. It's, right. that's, it's even that point, even if you're SaaS, and we know a few of the networks are uh, either SaaS only or, or, or yeah. primarily SaaS, to maintain the client, it's got to be successful. The more transactions yes. going through, even if they don't immediately earn money themselves, it's beneficial in the longer run, is. right? We, we had one recently. There was a, a client of a, another business, and they changed their compliance system at the start of the journey because they had to change it because even if you click no, it was still tracking. And you can guess what happened next. Even if you click yes, it goddamn wasn't tracking. And so right. the whole tracking went down. Moonpool was able to analyze this and get it sorted within 24, 48 hours. But if, if, if the client uh, or if the supplier, the, the publisher, didn't use Moonpool and hadn't noticed, I think we'll still be talking about it today as to, is that broken? Is that not working as well as it is? Has a conversion rate gone to zero? Have they changed lots of things on their site? It was just a goddamn compliance. It stopped all the tracking. And now I want to speak directly to people who work at like mid-market retail brands that are doing affiliate programs where the marketing person was the one who had to put the compliance bar on the website, right? And so they followed their instructions in whatever platform they were in and they put the bar up. And the bar appears and I click yes or no and I assume something's happening. But either all the cookies continue to fire or none of them fire regardless of which way you Right. You yeah. corrected exactly what it, right? Yeah. What you guys are bringing in is the kind of clarity and visibility that I think are so central to this channel getting the respect that it deserves and getting the revenue that it deserves and that brands who miss out on this are truly missing out on the value that this channel brings to their businesses and are misallocating dollars if they, if they aren't seeing it. I think that the channel being seen in the right way at the advertisers is the number one challenge of, of the industry. Absolutely. And there's so many reasons why, I mean, you touched on it a moment ago, is if everything tracks, publishers will love that advertiser more. They will send more traffic towards it. Their and sales will go up. The, their wow. sales will go up. Their sales are their most cost-effective channel will yes, go up. exactly. If the tracking works better, then just see if tracking is, underpins the flywheel of success of affiliate program. It does. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions about the effectiveness, the efficacy of our tracking methodologies, right? Mm -hmm. And I go back to years ago, 
I was dealing with a marketing person. They were introducing their brand in Southeast Asia, but they didn't have mobile app tracking yet. Okay. And, and 90, like Indonesia, it's like 97% of internet occasions and time is spent on a phone. And so I said, but you know, that's a problem because no one's using a PC. So what do you mean they don't use a PC? And it's like, not only are they using phones, they're using smartish phones that are built on lollipop. Google, right? Which I think was from 2013 or something like that. And so you have to recognize the environment in which you operate. And what you guys are doing to me is so important because it's saying, look, these things that you see every day are screwing up your business. And that's why going through the, the, the process of working with you all is so important because people don't understand the huge impact that seemingly small changes can make, right? Yeah. Now, I'm sure it's very hard in the background and I don't understand, it's just magic to me, right? But, but you know, fixing from going from 0% tracking to 100%, right, is a game-changing thing for a brand. And virtually every brand has these problems. I'm assuming it's just what whatever percent. Well, the, the interesting thing about that is that all brands have these problems inconsistently. So it's okay. it's not like you know every Thursday, third Thursday of every month that a lot of brands have had a problem. Three, there's a crazy stat like three or four percent of all e-commerce sites are changed on a weekly basis. It compounds up to more than one hundred percent a year. Right. In other words, there's so many changes all the time. Those changes alone will have an effect on tracking. The deep link challenge, the home page challenge, the forget to put the tag back in there challenge, the master tag stops firing challenge, every challenge you can imagine. And it's not that they sh- that you need to audit this and go, hey, I've done it all over. This is going to be an ongoing thing for everybody all of the time. And it's good for everyone to have this data. It's not as if you're Absolutely. saying, oh, you're not tracking anymore. It's like, well, if, they're not, if that publisher's not tracking, then they're not making any money. And I think about the number of times running programs where I probably killed off a publisher program because the sales were low when the reality is maybe the sales weren't low at all. Do you want to name them? You ready to yeah, name them? No, okay, fine. No. <laughs> Publishers should be demanding full credit, right? It was, again, I go back to the whole, the mobile tracking challenge years ago when there were a lot of brands that were like, I don't really want to know about that because then I'll have to pay more for the, all those sales that the brand's getting anyway without paying anything. But Steve um, made the point, right? If the more, yeah. the more sales that they make, the more the publisher will promote you, well, the more sales it. you will make. It that's is literally it. the flywheel of, of, of the and whole process. And suppose you're 18% of a brand sales and now you guys can increase it by 11%, right? That's a big number. That's a big increase. It's a massive number, and I think the importance of that number in a year's time cannot be overstated. When Google will deprecate third-party cookies, they essentially have no choice, and they've stated their path towards it. So it's 1% of users' browsers in quarter one of next year are not going to be tracking third-party. So, so the world sees it? Is so, that the idea? Yeah, so they're easing it in. But this means that when Google flips that switch to 100% of browsers not recognizing third-party tracking, not only will Safari not have third-party tracking, but nothing will. And all of a sudden, it's going to shine a light on people. Oh, my first party isn't as good as I thought. Or my first party didn't work at all. And it was third party that was mopping it up. And if it takes three months of a sprint to get tracking fixed, what are you going to do for that three months? And, and Perhaps actually it's going to be the best thing for the affiliate. 
I've asked everyone on the planet this question. Nobody can give me an answer. Of the brands that you all have looked at, what percent of affiliate programs are still tracking with third party only? It varies from country to country. Okay. It varies network. from network to network. It varies from size of advertiser to size of advertiser. I think a broad brush number is between five and ten percent. Okay. If you if you go to small retail, that's fifty percent or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's, it's also territory. Now, there's there's a situation we came across uh, not so long ago, where there is a fear of telling a brand to drop its third party and go first party because what that brand may well do is go out and put a RFP in the market and look at staying with a network that would enable them to stay on third party because it's easier to do that than to change the tracking. Obviously, that's utterly ridiculous, right, as it, it is ridiculous. in commentary terms, but in, in the next week terms, it's actually probably true. In the next month terms, it's still going to be true, but eventually, it's just not true. And that goes back to the investment point. You've got to invest into this industry and it will give you everything you ever wanted in terms of growth. But if you're not prepared to invest, it will maintain your growth for now, but in the end, it will die a horrible death. For you. Well, you know, and every network probably has a story of an advertiser that switches from third to first, sees the sales drop, and then immediately switches back to third so that they well, don't lose the credit. But that's the yeah. joke is we, people ask us, what happened when an advertiser went from network one to network two and the sales doubled? And then I have the same conversation and they went from network one to network two and the sales halved and it's nothing to do with the network's tracking right. it's to do with the implementation and double sales being tracked might actually be over reporting as much as half the sales is under reporting so you really got to look under the hood for reliability this channel can't get anywhere until people can trust the data right and Again, I come at this very confident in being able to say that if we understood the true impact of it, it would be greater. And so that, to me, you're bringing transparency into this process and accuracy into this process and continuous tracking in the process is a good thing because it means that our data are more accurate than they were before. And whether that's up or down, to me, doesn't matter because I know it's up. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't brands out there, right? But having worked in this space, a long time, I know the importance and the credibility that a publisher can bring to a sale, whether that's an incentivized sale like a, a coupon site or something like that, or a content site, right? Virtually every brand, if they implement with you all, is going to see the attributable sales to the channel rise. How can you not do it? So, so it's, it's an interesting thing because it's driven a lot of our thinking for a while now. And without getting all promotional, the idea of introducing verification as a database, utter visibility. This e-commerce merchant tracks after clicking a CMP, tracks if you don't, or we can't even see if it will track. Number one, it's now visible. Then we introduce certification. So that says that an advertiser is taking it damn seriously. I'm doing 50, 100 links every month. I'm testing them. And we certify that they all work at the cookie level. And that's going to become part of the partner and brand discovery process for, for advertisers and publishers. For publishers, I, I, exactly. So you, you drive credibility on one side, but it's not just because, hey, look, we've got, a, we've got a platform, let's charge you some money. The idea is it adds credibility, and then you can promote it heavily, and then you get the flywheel effect over a period of time. Is it going to change today? Well, if it doesn't work, yes. 
absolutely change today. <laughs> is it going to change tomorrow, next week, and the, the month after, and then three months down the line? Now that you bring in the whole marketing piece, which says, yes, because now I can promote it, because I'm showing you I have a credible, viable, Look, I get an independent right. yes, view exactly. of this. And what, one of the challenges we, we, t we tend to see with some of the networks is they're so obsessed with being better than another network. The bad oh, news is to reveal the data. The bad, right, it's not very visible. The bad news is for them is that most networks are, are actually quite good at doing this. Naturally, they've been around for a long time, and you know all the big players, and you know that they have fairly good technology across the board. This isn't necessarily the network technology. This is users interacting with e-commerce sites that are tracking through a network and being promoted by publishers. It's everybody's responsibility. And, and having this idea that we will now open up verification to be very public, and we're not going to say it doesn't work. Naturally, we, we can't always do that because there's an audit trail in there. What we can say is we can't see that it works. And that's, that's very, very honest. But we could also say we can see that it will work. And right. then you start to certify and you get these guys in, the, the advertisers and the networks that are prepared to invest into an independent view of the future. One of the things that, that struck me when we first started promoting Moonpool, most channels have quite a broad universe of platforms and third-party applications that help drive them. You know, if we think about SEO, we think about PPC, mm -hmm. there's a huge number. Affiliate does not partly because the, there's so many networks and they're all very independent of each other. Mm -hmm. But if you think of that ecosystem in affiliate, it's, it's always been slightly lacking. Mm -hmm. There's a few things, and networks tend to buy them up quite quickly, and that's not us. We're, we're looking at how we are an independent provider of this. And, but there isn't been a huge amount over the years either. We've got a lot of on-site techs, the involves, the intent leads, yes. the uh, rev lifters. There's a lot of on-site technologies that interact with the advertisers. Mm -hmm. but is there anything that strikes you as to why there hasn't been much of an ecosystem of visible data around this industry? I hope that this is not the answer, but my suspicion is that, again, it's this defensive versus offensive issue that we have in the channel, which is we don't want the data because somehow we think it's going to harm us. And the reality is, I believe, just the opposite. It'll make us fly. It'll make us fly, exactly. And, you know, having worked in so many other digital channels that are out there, it's like I know what's under the hood of the display banner business. <laughs> you know, you're, you're saying that I think affiliate's probably one of the cleanest spaces because at least we know there's a transaction or that the odds of that are very high that there was a transaction as a result, right? But in the banner business, again, there was a time when we were buying a banner that we knew no one ever saw because it was the last one on the page because we were measured by last view, which was even more ludicrous. But perhaps affiliate, because the publishers are actual websites, it's easier to spot who the bad actors are to actually criticize them. But in the display industry, in the RTB industry, it's a robot that clicks on the paid search app to increase your to spend. Where you can't see who the bad actor is, it's harder to criticise it. So perhaps affiliate, because of the nature, it's easier to spot the bad actor, so it's easier to, to criticise it because people understand it. I think there are a lot of people that don't know to question the data in some other industries as well, right? If you cut your teeth on television and then you get you get digital, where at least there's some form of accountability or tracking, you feel okay about that. But the reality is, 
there's just so much squish in this world. And again, I come back to selling math to English majors. There's a lot of people that just do not understand. They think cookies magically drop. And if cookies are so hard to do, then why is it that there are so many unwanted cookies on my computer, right? I didn't want them there. So clearly the bad actors are good at getting them on my machine. Where aren't the good ones? It's a really interesting point you actually make. Uh, I remember many, many years ago, certainly in publishing and TV, we used to have to go out of our way to measure footfall through massive amounts of research to see if the ad, and recall of course, to see if the, and we didn't remember anything in the last 20 years, to see if the ad had any impact. Now, you know within 15 minutes of putting up a new search term on Google and paying 80 bucks a, a click as to whether it's getting clicks and, and as likely whether it's got any conversions yet yes. and whether it's working. You have this very fast, very quick response rate and actually that that nature of digital advertising then goes back to the point that I can change today slightly by changing words on a discount depth on, an, on a promotion. I can change it today by buying more traffic. The investment into the future becomes harder because you're simply looking in a very, very near-term view all of the time. Mm-hmm. But actually to move this industry along, you, you can't just have a narrow view of the near-term. And near-term is today, tomorrow, a month, three months, maybe even six, but so, it ain't next year. So one of the perspectives I have on Moonpool is people are very good at analyzing the data in their database. Mm-hmm. But actually, Moonpool's telling you 5%, 10 11% or 19% isn't in your database. Exactly. So how can you optimize what you don't have? And right. Therefore, you've got to get that data in your database. Now you can optimize it. And how many, I'm sure it's more than 11% of my decisions are suboptimal because I don't know what's going on. Right? Yeah. So not only do I drop that publisher, I spend more with this one that's just... Better at tracking than the other. But then you have EPC questions that your EPC is misstated if your number of sales resulting is misstated. So you might have advertisers who are paying too much commission because they're under-reporting sales to the channel. Yes. And you might have ones that are paying too little. But if they just upped it a little bit, then sales would flood through because they become competitive. Well, and it's why any rules-based attribution or crediting methodology is flawed, right? Because we have no idea whether that approach is more accurate than last click or first click or anything else. We have to know what the truth is, right? We need to have that information and that data. And that data is valuable to the brand. I think there's a misconception, though, that everyone on a brand team is aligned to those brand goals versus some arbitrary decision like make sure you get as many credited sales as possible out of your three million. Have you got any funny stories out of affiliate? Have you got an affiliate industry joke? Tell us something about Charlie. Tell us about Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I think... The, I, it's not funny, it's sad, although it was funny at the time. I go back to this person, this marketing person who sat in accounting with a broken light bulb above them. I, I right? love that visual. And there it is, flicker, 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 right? And I remember, what is the movie? It had the ad with the post-it notes and the TPS reports, and there was the guy in the cube, and they just make it, he was attached to his stapler. But that person was sitting at a desk, and no one in accounting talks to them because they were marketing, and no one in marketing just talk to them because they didn't recognize them, right? That this is what affiliate marketing was years ago, right? And it certainly has more credibility 
and um, more recognition in an organization now that it represents 18% of sales instead of 6%, right? But the, the funny side of it was also the sad side and it, it led us to this defensive on our back foot as an industry approach that we just have to get past. But I think that Moonpole is an opportunity to do that as a solution. And discussions like this are important because we begin to listen to other perspectives. Our thanks to Jim Nichols for sharing his insights into the world of affiliate marketing and his vision of how the freak in the corner can become the CMO's hero by using the flywheel of success. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast to catch the next Affiliate Pub Takeaway.